Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah! Yes! Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh my god, yes! Awesome! Please listen carefully. Welcome to our show, Queer Nundrum. I am your host, Holly Greystone. And I'm your other fabulous host, Gary M. Thorin Jr. Hey, beautiful. How are you doing? Uh, good. It's been a long week. Uh, since the last time we talked, I did... Well, since the last time we've talked with our wonderful listening, listeners, mm-hmm. I celebrated my 57th birthday. Woohoo! Um, That's right. You went to a show. I did. We went and saw Les Mis. Oh my God, that was just, it was the best thing I've seen there. Not even close. It was the best thing. Um, Wow. It beat, which I love, it beat Book of Mormon and Kinky Boots. So I was just (laughs) very, very impressed with it. So nice. um, And that was a, that was a birthday gift from our dear friend, Tracy. So I, so. I know she's she's a pretty cool friend. <laughs> that is very sweet of her. Yeah, we stayed at the Davenport for the night, which was that was fun, and we got together the next day with some friends to. Uh, they have a they do a brunch every Sunday, and we went to it. And so that was our. It was a nice weekend. Next weekend, I have my oldest daughter has given me plenty of guilt because I I've gone to Spokane several times and haven't seen her. So we're going up next week to Spokane on Sunday to actually see her. I have mentioned to her that anytime she could drive here, but you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's the same in that she's like, you. she doesn't want to do, because she, she doesn't want to bore the dogs. And right now it's not a good idea because there's a, there's a virus going around. And to bore two dogs, it's not cheap. And then to spend six hours here and six hours back, on top of being, you know, working a job, having practicums and being a full-time doctorate student, she's like, I can't, can you come yeah. to me? And I'm like, gosh, I remember that time when I was in school full-time working full-time and wanted my mom to always come to me. So it's like, I should go. <laughs> well, and you also have three dogs and a cat. You know, so. Yes. <laughs> but I also have, um, I have a lot more options for help in, in the care of those yeah. like little fur balls. Oh yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and and what else? What else is going on? We have oh my gosh! So where I work, it's been kind of pure hell recently. I'm not gonna lie. We've had um for various reasons, we've had to let three separate people go. Oh my gosh! And um, one of them, I will say that one of them was because they were caught stealing drugs. So that was um, we have them on video doing it. So that was. So that was, um, so it's been a couple challenging weeks. I've been putting in a lot of hours. I worked yesterday. So I was actually supposed to go to see uh, my daughter in Spokane today. But then I I was supposed to have yesterday, we're going to do Thanksgiving with my youngest daughter and her kids. And because I had to work yesterday, that got pushed today. And so then daughter in Spokane to push uh, to next week and so uh, that's been going on and hopefully things will 
calm down. We've hired people. I think they're going to be really good people, but that's sort of that. That's been a challenge. It's been kind of good because it's made me my my job most of the time I'm just in the back of my office doing stuff, and so it's been really making me get out and do more of the stuff and make sure I remember how to do it. So that's been good. Sure. Uh, I am like right now. I am so flipping tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, that it happens. And saying all that crap going on, it is still the best job I've ever had. So I, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, oh oh darn. So um, but yeah, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. Dean's doing okay. Um, daughters are doing well, grandsons, of course, are amazingly adorable. Of course. You know, so I mean be. yeah, so that's kind of where that's at. Nice. How are you doing? I'm just I'm just doing the math right now. So since we talked, you've had three positions turnover, and you've yep. managed to hire in that same time frame. Yep. How can you guys be that dang? Like, do you guys just have like a wait list of people that you're just looking to hire? Like, I'm. Well, I okay. Let me, just, give me, let me get a reference here. I I been looking for a job since April. I've had four interviews, and I have one job right? Part-time job, but one job out of that entire time. And I am applying to anywhere from three, five, three to five jobs a week. And you manage a one facility to have three people go and have people hired. Okay. Now, well, now answer. Sorry. Just- to be fair, it was, if it was going to be perfect timing, it was perfect timing because we were just getting ready to do some hiring because two of the people who are training to move up to another position and so we're in the process of hiring people anyway. So it worked okay. out well that we were able to pick, you know, so that's so granted, perfect not, storm situation and where you were already had applicants applying. Yeah. Okay. And and also remember that the positions we're, we're hiring for um, are, you know, they start off as lower pay positions. So sadly, there is a huge pool of people who want those positions where the positions you're going for, or which I went for, because I had the same trouble it's it's you know it's it's a little harder there's there's more people that are going for those that are just as qualified or more qualified so that it's sadly easier Uh, no (laughs) that's true that's true I there's there's I could go for lower paying jobs which is fine I'm I'm very fortunate at this point where I don't have to do that so kind of jumping into updates from from my side of the conversation um, love my job. I did not think I would love it as much as I do. I figured it felt like, well, this is the only job that's been offered in how many months it's part-time I'll take it. Uh, allows me to be flexible in really, really flexible. I could, I, all I have to do is just work a set amount of hours and I could work them in any arrangement as, as I see fit. And mm-hmm fully supported in that which is also i when people say that oh it's fully flexible and then and then they micromanage the crap out of you or we want someone who's going to lead and drive our organization to the future and, and make suggestions and changes and you know follow this follow a process to do that help us develop a process to do that and then i and then you're micromanaged or you're yeah. told well no we're going to go in a different direction we're going to let you go and it's like well, then what was the point of, you know, going through that? Right. And so the last two months, cause I've been in the position now for two months, um, 
I've just been waiting, waiting for that to happen, which mm-hmm. in a way is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's a mind frame I was, wasn't aware of until recently. And so I've been working on that mo- mental shift and I really like my supervisor supports me, provides me with the resources, gets back to me in a timely manner, connects me with other resources that are also responsive. Uh, the board in general is responsive. Um, I, when they interviewed me, I gave them, I'm like, if you don't hire me, it doesn't matter if you hire me, but just know that these are the six things you, as a nonprofit in your genre that you guys are targeting, these are the six things you guys have to do in the next six months to a year, like make that part of your strategic priorities. Um, because they were lacking in certain things. They've implemented over half of them already before they hired me. And the other half of those were meeting in a strategic retreat meeting that we're, we're having coming up in two weeks and they're all willing to be there. They've watched the training videos. They're just really engaged and it feels so good to be in a collaborative relationship with my board of directors on, on, a, on, on it's, it's the, the organization deals with suicide prevention and education and nationally dealing with that. It's it just, just such a good, like a great place. And at the same time, it's like kind of missed that full-time job. I've missed that, you know, uh, the water cooler moments where you're hanging out with your colleagues. And um, I do miss a little bit of that. So, Remote work is great, but at the same time, I am missing missing the, I don't know, coworker environment in some way. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it. I'm very fortunate that I get to take that opportunity to reflect on that. And I spent this last two weekends redoing my office because, uh, as you know, we moved into our house a year ago now, and that was the last room that got worked on. And so mm-hmm. I did about seventy percent of it in the last over the last week and a half. So it looks really good. I uh, still have some more work to do, but it's coming along. I'm very happy about it. Um, update on our building. <sighs> so, I was afraid to ask. <laughs> uh, I know so many people are. It's like, uh, we finally have occupancy, full occupancy oh my God. of one building, of one building. We have temporary occupancy of a second building and the other three which is when I say three, there's a second floor that's an apartment that's separate, mm-hmm. but it's all in one building. So I say three. So the apartment is not approved. The unit below is not. And then the one, uh, the third one, we're actually not going to develop it right now. We're just going to leave it as storage okay. until I can build another building. And, and by building, I mean like a shed or something like that to secure yard equipment, snow removal, things like that, that I can store mm-hmm. on site. So for, for now, we're just gonna, we're going to occupy that space. And okay. then the temporary occupancy building, which is the two-story building, that's the art gallery upstairs and art supply downstairs. We will begin this week doing the final um, repairs or uh, upgrades for full occupancy. Um, so we'll file for that in the next, about the next two weeks, we'll file for that. And then the apartment, unfortunately, is going to take us a little bit because we have to rip out stairs while supporting the second floor. So we have to jack up the second floor from the first floor, which at the same time, we have to pour concrete foundation 
So we have to build the pillar. Wherever we jack it is where we have to have a beam going across the floors, uh, the second floor. Anyway, it's a process. We have it all engineered and I, we have people who are going to help us with it uh, that are trained in that. But we're going to have to start shifting more of the physical work onto our plate and uh, release our contractors. So we're in the middle of contract re uh, releasing and working with the lawyers um, and the subcontractors and shifting those under a different uh, contracting uh, uh, agency. Just okay. to move forward, just to move forward. You know, we want to we yeah. want to keep the relationship and understanding that things have shifted in the relationship, which is fine. It happens, but it, it's just time to move on. And okay. uh, there's a lot of stress with it. I would rather not go through, but that's okay. <laughs> oh gosh, what else? Um, the I didn't win my election for city council, which is just fine. I learned a lot. And there is some amazing, amazing opportunities to continue to serve uh, my community in, in the ways that I wanted to. So those doors and avenues have been opened up and uh, we'll, I'll know more in the next, probably next four or five weeks on, on a few of those things. So I'll update as that happens, but yeah, doing, doing really well, doing really well. I'm excited for what's coming up next. I'm sorry about the election, but the stuff you've told me off the side, I, I think it's it's gonna look good anyway. So oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. all good. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. are we wanna, ready to move into this? Yeah. Do you want to jump into it? Because I'm excited. I'm like, okay. I'm literally on the edge of my seat, excited. Please listen carefully. All right. Now that we're back from our coffee break, let's jump into our discussion for today. So. What I now, for those of you who may have missed our last episode, I'm not going to be doing a, a cover of our news anymore. I'm going to be doing topic specific um, items. So this week, I'm really excited to talk about the LGBTQAI senior community. So our elders, and I and I'll I, I'll probably switch back and forth between the L LGBTQAI plus and queer because I use them synonymous. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, so, all right, jumping into it. Our elders carry a lot of resiliency having gone through years, years of discrimination, societal prejudice, uh, challenges of developing their own identity in a time where things were just were less accepting. So as we embrace this conversation and we embrace our community, it's imperative to recognize and address those specific needs and their experiences that are that they had gone through. Uh, and so before I dive into that any further, let me just give a little bit of context here. So as we sit here today, there are 84 anti-LGBTQAI laws that have been passed across the country. 227 of which, uh, of, of all the ones that have been proposed so far, have been shut down, meaning that they were not passed into law. But there are still 187 that are advancing to the next stage. And these laws, of all together, the first 84 and then and the other 80, 187, they are attacking, and I have air quotes around these laws, they are attacking um, accurate IDs, civil rights, free speech and expression, 
healthcare, public um, accommodations, school and education. And you can find the data on this at aclu.org. So context further on that, let's look at 80 years, okay? I just, I picked 80 as our senior year. So forgive me if that offends anyone, it's not intended, but let's look at the 1940s. Homosexuality was largely criminalized. Individuals faced legal prosecution. Many people lived in fear of being exposure, which led to them living in the closets, um, which in turn affected their sense of community. Homosexuality was considered a mental illness which led to very, very harmful medical practices, such as conversion therapy. Queer individuals faced discrimination within the healthcare, obviously, because that was the belief that they need, need that it was an illness. Um, there was a struggle to, there was a struggle with understanding within our com medical co community, our medical professionals. In addition to that, there was very little representation in media so stereotypes were prevalent and any positive portrayal was virtually non-existent. There was no legal protections against the discrimination based on your sexual orientation or gender. People could be fired, denied housing. They were refused services without any sort of legal recourse. And even though today discrimination still exists, there has been a significant shift in our in our attitudes and our society in general. Queer individuals today experience a greater social acceptance and sense of community, and there is a growing acknowledgement of diverse gender identities and sexual orientation. Queerness or our homosexuality is no longer pathologized. Wow, I can't say that word this morning. Uh, meaning that it's not being treated as a mental illness. It's not, it is not seen as something as wrong with that individual in the, in the, in the medical community. So medical organizations have recognized the importance of affirming care for the LGBTQAI plus individuals. And there has been progress in providing culturally competent healthcare, including the transgender healthcare, which I know has been a huge, huge pressure on our community as we're seeing a lot of these laws attacking our transgender uh, family members. In addition to that, we also have the 14th Amendment, which is the Marriage Equality Act that includes the right to marry the person you love. So we've had a lot of strides forward in in a world that still feels like we're under attack because we are, as I mentioned, we have a number of laws that are being, that are being proposed across the country, but that is not our conversation today. Our conversation is about our LGBTQAI plus individuals, uh, that our elders that they came in, they basically came of age during a time of extreme prejudice while our younger generations, the generations of today are experiencing, often experiencing more supportive environments during their formative years where our elders spent significant part of their lives in the closet. Our younger uh, individuals are growing up more often are growing up in a more visible and accepting um, culture where in the past our elders faced rejection from their families 
in a lot of cases, um, our younger generation is experiencing more openness with their families. And we recognize that that is not always the case. That discrimination still exists. So that get, takes me to my reflections that I want to share with you guys on how we can collectively cultivate an environment of mindfulness and compassion towards our LGBTQAI seniors. And it is crucial that we acknowledge and understand our historical traumas and these traumas that arise from the AIDS pandemic or the relentless uh, struggle for fundamental rights or the enduring fight for the social acceptance of, of just being accepted for who we are. And as we discuss this, let's do so in the spirit of empathy and commitment to fostering a positive change. In our collective consciousness, let us attune to the echoes of our past while not holding ourselves to that, but recognizing that these aren't just mere chapters of our past, but that they are, that these historical things are woven into a fabric of our community, right? We still today celebrate the Stonewall riots, right? Through the through pride. And that is celebrated around the world at different times of the year. Uh, largely, that is, that is a, a, a nod to our past and a recognition of our future, right? So it's a, it's a core of who we are. And at the core of our shared commitment is a recognition that our LGBTQAI seniors are entitled to age with the utmost dignity, respect, and access to comprehensive support, right? Self-determining care. Uh, this could be translated into dismantling any other barriers to healthcare and advocating for inclusive housing um, and cultivating uh, our communities. And oftentimes that is our chosen family members that we choose to have as part of our, our extended family. And fighting for those, fighting against those laws that are looking to take away our rights, right? We can vote, we can propose legislation, we can lean on our legislators about this, keeping in mind that these are also impacting our elder community members who might not be able to do that for themselves. And so it's really on us, right? That's the call to action is is us working together to create a future where our seniors can age with grace and be surrounded in an environment that honors them, their resiliency, their knowledge, their acknowledging their journey and celebrate the wisdom that they bring to our community. And we can celebrate that resiliency in many different ways, right? We all can do this from, from where we are right now and keep that that mindfulness as we as we move forward with our lives. One of the two I have two two resources to share with folks. One is sageusa.org which was founded in 1978 and it is a national organization that offers supportive services and consumer resources to the queer community and their caregivers. In fact, the national resource on aging um, it's a council uh, uh, center of aging has a specific section that focuses on LGBTQ plus care. And you can find that. And it will also tie you back to SAGE as well is LGBTAGING center.org. So LGBTAGING center.org. 
and I'll link, link this in our in our show notes. Um, I, I just I really want to impart that f- to our community of listeners that we have this beautiful community of people who have lived through some shit and got and they have some information that they can share on with us and support us as we continue to that fight of resiliency um at a time where it's really needed so thank you so much for uh let me have that space i appreciate it that was really good thank you do you have any questions as a as an older individual not really because of this podcast i've kind of already answered all the questions i needed to on that i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it is a growing issue but it's just a growing issue because the population in general is getting older and so with that oh my god there's gay people queer people who are getting older at the same time so mm-hmm. but yeah no Fair. I thought it was a very very well thought out piece thank Holly thank you I appreciate your feedback all right you're gonna take us into something fun right maybe well possibly it's I, I it's really good i'm actually gonna talk uh today about a a movie that i just recently saw um that uh in a weird way deals with health care <laughs> um <laughs> uh, i mean uh, anyway um the movie i'm going to be talking about today is spoiler alert it is a poignant portrayal of the complex and enduring relationship relationship between Michael Osiello and photographer Kit Cohen. Michael Osiello for What's the name of the anyone movie? who does spoiler alert? It's called spoiler alert. It is called spoiler alert. Okay. I thought you were giving us a so, an alert, not that that was no, it's, okay. It's called spoiler alert. All and right. I'll get into why I'm, it's called spoiler alert in just a minute. I'm I'm here. Educate me. So uh, Michael Osiello, for those of you who probably, the majority of people don't know who he is. Uh, He's a writer. He actually is the owner, editor, creator of the uh, online uh, tvline.com, which is where I get a lot of my information from. Um, He, I have listened, I have watched him, listened to him, read his articles. For me, since he used to be with TV Guide, and that's been years ago. Um, wow. Okay. So it's 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 a true story uh, based on their life. Um, the story unfolds in 2001 when Michael, played by Jim Parsons, probably best known for his portrayal of Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. is introduced to Kit, portrayed by Ben Aldridge, an English actor. Depending on what you watch, you may know him most from his performance as Arsehole Guy in the series Fleabag or Thomas Wayne in the HBO Max series Pennyworth. Um, They meet at a gay nightclub in Manhattan. As their connection deepens, they navigate insecurities, past affairs, and the challenges of coming out to Kit's parents, played by Sally Field. So come on, pick a decade. You'll have a, your favorite movie of hers from that decade. You know, she's just, she's she's been here for my entire life, your entire life. She's just there and she's amazing. And also very much a queer advocate and her youngest son is queer. So um, 
she is, you know, she can, to me, she can do no wrong. And the other one is the father who is played by Bill Irwin, who I have no idea if you'll know him from this, but I had to because it's how I recognize him watching stuff with uh, Lily when she was younger and with my grandchildren now. He is, he has been Mr. Noodle on Sesame Street since 1993. <laughs> so it was weird. I, I probably would recognize him if I saw him Yeah. in that, in that space but right now i'm having a hard time and this poor actor he has done so much he's an amazing character actor but i just thought i just love that bit so much i had to put that in so because it's the first thing when i was watching it oh my god it's mr noodle playing a very different character um, very different (laughs) so what spoiler deals with in the first literally three or four minutes you find out that kit cohen dies that's how the movie ends, is he dies. But you find that out with the first couple minutes. This is all based on a true story. The narrative spans years, capturing the couple's journey from dating to moving in together and sharing significant moments like Christmas traditions. However, by 2013, the relationship faces complications, including deteriorating intimacy and suspicions of infidelity. Their therapist suggests separation to reassess the therapist says that he can tell how much they love each other but he thinks they need some time away from each other to hopefully get reconnected in 2014 a tragic turn occurs when kit is diagnosed with a rare form of stage four i'm gonna screw this up neuroendocrine cancer it's basically cancer that is in, in the intestinal area. It uh, mainly affects the small intestine, the large intestine. That's where it starts. Very rare. It's hard. It was surprising they cap- got it, and that's why they didn't capture it until it was stage four. So because of all this, um, Michael, who in the beginning you find out that his mother also died of cancer, supports Kit through the treatment. The couple reconciles, leading to a proposal in marriage. Their last Christmas together becomes a poignant moment as Kit's health declines. The cast includes Jim Parsons, Ben Eldridge, Sally Field, Bill Moore, Irwin, and others. The film beautifully explores themes of love, loss, and the profound impact of genuine connections. The production initiated in December 2018 involved Jim Parsons as both producer and the lead role with Michael Showalter directing. What I know Michael Showalter best is from, he was one of the writers, creator of uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which is on Netflix. Ben Aldridge joined the cast in 2021 and Sally Field portraying Kit's mother, Marilyn, joined in September, 2021. Principal photography took place in New York City during the fall. What I so appreciated about this movie was that it really very well dealt with relationships that did. They had they had their issues. Um, in it, towards the end, he makes a deathbed, Kit makes a deathbed confession of something he did, which which Michael had already suspected, but um I don't want to, I won't spoil what it is. 
it shows the pain and trauma of going through the stays in the hospital to, um, and they're funny moments. They have a moment where, where uh, Michael gets very upset that Kit does not have a bed to lay down in for his treatment. He was promised a bed. It's very terms of endearment for people who know that line, but it's it's a very sweet, funny moment. So I want to say this movie is sad. I bawled all the way through it, but it has some funny moments. And by the end, you see that even though Kit has died, he is going to move on and he has his new family that Kit's parents are going to be his parents. And that's how the movie ends. I am really shocked and saddened that this movie didn't get more of a play than it did. It was in and out of the theaters very quick. It is on Amazon Prime now, so you can watch it there. If you have Amazon, you get it for free. I would highly recommend it. Again, it is, it is a tearjerker, so be prepared. But in watching this, you're helping support very many queer people, but Jim Parsons in particular and Sally Field. Mm -hmm. um, that was really it. I was honestly going to do something else. I just watched this movie two nights ago and I go, I have to do this for the podcast. It is, <laughs> it's, um, if this had been a straight movie, my guess it would be, it would have, it would have had the iconic view of the notebook that everybody loved and everybody you know, watches and I, it, I, I think because it's, it's a queer movie and queer content that it did not do as well as it could have, because there's enough of the straight leaning population who will not watch anything queer. And I will say in this movie, there's no, there is no graphic sex scenes. It's, I mean, this, this is a PG movie. So, I mean, it's something that you can, you know, even the most, the most, Karen's amongst us could watch this and not be too offended by it. You do see two men kissing. I don't know what to say, but you know, you do see that. But I was very pleasantly surprised with this movie. We were looking for something to watch because we're in the middle of all of our shows being a little bit of a hiatus. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, I've heard things about this. Let's at least watch it. We should support this. And it was, oh my God, <laughs> less than two hours and one of the best things I've done in years. So. So, so any questions like yes um my so don't judge me but i haven't watched the notebook in ages probably since it came out i don't remember there being a cancer no there's not i'm not saying that it just not, because the notebook is one of those iconic movies those love stories right. that's all I'm yeah. I'm, okay so all right so my question so I don't, I don't even know how to start this question. So for me, watching tear-jerking movies, especially around cancer, I lean away from that. That I, Regardless if it's straight or not straight, based characters, storyline, whatever, I will lean away from that. I lean away from a lot of like realistic war movies. And real, like not, not because I don't want to know it or understand it, it's because I know it and understand it enough to know that it was a it was a tragic time in history. I don't need to watch movies about World War One or World War Two. Like, great, Saving mm -hmm. Private Ryan, cool, whatever. So I lean for my demographic. I will lean away from that. Right? What gives you the impression that this movie didn't get the screening because it was a queer based movie versus a straight based movie? I'm just curious where you're. Oh, because it came out after um, 
<laughs> I, like a month after I've lost the name of it, the other queer-based movie last year that... Um, Bros? Yeah, Bros. That's the fucking name of it. Which I really enjoyed. And that... Um, but this movie came out... I don't remember that being, like, hyped. Oh, it was... Oh, boy, Holly, then you missed it. It was... It was... I have to say, it was on commercials everywhere all the time it really? they really did try to market this movie and it it tanked at the box office i enjoyed it um but it tanked at the box office and i get why it also dealt with gay relationships in a very honest way and um a because a lot of queer people have more open relationships and they showed that in this movie, um, and I think that a lot of uh, heteronormative people maybe might have more open relationships if they didn't feel they couldn't. I'm not saying, I'm not promoting that, but I'm just saying, anyway, Bros was a movie that um, got fairly decent critical response, and it did terrible box office. Uh, I remember Dean and I went and saw it at the box office, we when we were watching it, three obviously straight guys came in right ahead of us. I'm going, they have no idea what this movie is, not a clue. And they left within 20 minutes of the movie. They all got up and walked out pissed. Um, there might have been a you didn't see it till the very end part, but you might have seen a I'm gonna that come shot happen, and that was it for them. They were gone. So um oh. um and it was done in a very funny way, but it wasn't that they didn't appreciate it. So this movie <laughs> came out about a, a month after that. And so it, it got no hardly any publicity because that movie did so badly. It it was in, I think it was in the movie theaters, maybe a week, two weeks. And then it went to Amazon Prime, which is fine, as long as it gets an audience there. Yeah. So that's what happened where this movie is much more, it would be much easier for the general public to watch it than what bros was you know i mean it's just it's not near again it was a pg movie so it's not near the same level of things um it uh red white and blue which is another uh, movie that came out uh recently that's on amazon act which is a very sweet another sweet uh queer romance has more sex scenes than does spoiler alert and i mean i say that because it kind of does but not really so anyway i think all this stuff led to it not doing well i could be completely wrong i'm never wrong but it could happen you know i'm not saying <laughs> but so i think that's uh what happened i was really impressed with jim parsons you see him playing a very different character than you see from sheldon because he's an actor and he can do it um and that was nice to see. I hope that helped lead him to get some other roles. Uh, he's done several, he's done some really good movies since uh, being done with The Big Bang Theory. This is probably the most widespread one he's done. He also did uh, The Boys in the Band, which did a really good job. He was also in Hollywoodland, which I thought was a terrible movie, but I thought he was good in it. So, mm -hmm. but anyway. So, so why do you it, hate him? Because he was so good that he did he broke his your idea of Sheldon? No, I didn't say I hated him. You're I said he did a really good job in the movie. 
Oh, I thought you said you're mad at him or you're ain't. I no. have, I'm going to replay no. the audio. I thought you said yeah. something like that. I, no. Maybe I just misheard it. Yeah, no, I, I was just, he did a really good, you know, he did a really good job. Never once did you think of Sheldon when you're watching. So, um, okay. yeah, no, I'll I have to, I'll have to check it out. I'm, I do remember you talking about bros on the show, uh, back when you watched it. And mm -hmm. I remember at the time, like, I'm not the demographic for that. So probably won't watch bros but i would yeah and there'd be no reason for you i mean honestly other than i i will say there's some funny things in bros that uh he does skewer all parts of queer culture very well and it's funny so there's parts of it that i think would be worth watching but in the end it's not the demographic where i think spoiler alert is yeah. one that's much more broad appealing that could actually get to people and i mean i'm always no, sad movies are not the first thing I'm going to watch, but there's movies that, mm -hmm. because they're so good, I think they need to be watched. I feel that way, like about uh, The uh, Pianist. I thought that was, I will never watch that movie again, but it was an amazing movie, and I'm glad I there saw it. There are movies God. like that. They're just so yeah. good. They stick with you. There's no yeah. reason to ever watch them again. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, actually, I can see myself watching this movie again, because it, it does... Again, the thing about it is it sets you up where within the first couple of minutes, you know he's dying. And it does, in the end, still have an uplifting ending to it. So I was really, I was very impressed with it. And I don't think it got near, near the, again, near the box office it should have, near, near the promotion it should have. Mm -hmm. so, there are, I feel, that like is movies, what, I feel like movies in general are kind of feeling that way. Like Marvel's, the Marvel's came out and it, it's all, pretty much an all-female cast. And it is, and they did a lot of marketing on that. And I say that because I, well, I, I received a lot of that marketing. Um, but the box office, it just really didn't do as well. And I think it's going to be one of those ones that gets played on the Disney Plus channel. Um, it will. Yeah. It's most, and that's, I think a lot of that, it, that's not a fair comparison. I, I don't think my reasoning on that is that, the movie market right now has been so oversaturated with superhero movies. Mm -hmm. I love superhero movies. I love superhero stuff. It's and I am sick of the shit. I mean, I could care less. There's been so much that came out. So, um, again, that's why I would recommend spoiler because it's an original movie. It's not mm -hmm. based on anything. I, I really try to recommend or I really try to watch movies tv shows that aren't based on a marvel or dc universe thing so i do watch them i'm not saying i don't but I, I think the part of that is it's just been oversaturated and i can't comment on that one because i didn't watch the first one and i doubt i'd watch the second one so there's it's just not something that i i finally gave up on on all of the uh, Marvel movie universe after the second Doctor Strange movie going, okay, I am done. So I'm just so. That's unfortunate. <laughs> well, I don't have anything more to add on our conversation today. I'm looking forward to connecting in two weeks, but beyond that, do you have anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, actually, yes. Another, I'm going to give another sad note. Um, oh, no. Just found out that our dear friend, Tracy, another one of her cats has been diagnosed with cancer and will be being put down in the next week or two. What? So that's, yeah. So Jones, 
that cat has already expired at the nine lives to begin with. <laughs> so, oh, so sorry um, to hear that. yeah, so I will say that Tracy's back in town. So that's been nice. She just yeah. got back in town. But so, yeah, so that's another sad note. But other than that, yeah. I'm getting ready to have our Thanksgiving dinner with with the boys today. So that's nice. that's a, that's a good that, thing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Happy to hear that you're going to be connecting with family today, though. I'm excited yeah, for that. No, all right. No. Well, we should wrap it up so you can get to your family. Thank you all for listening. Connect with us on any of our social media accounts. We'd love to hear from you. Thoughts, ideas, anything you would like to add to the conversation, please do. I will again, will drop those links mentioned earlier in the show in the notes. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. And until next time, be well. And be queer, you fabulous, fantastic motherfuckers. <laughs> Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. At Conundrum Podcast. And email us at Queernundrum at Queernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer.